Hey Kyle, my name is Kayleen. I live in South Coast, Massachusetts. I feel like you don't get an opportunity to talk to East Coasters that often, but we do exist. We're just surf, surf skating this morning, just did a little mountain biking over in Freetown State Forest, and in a couple hours I'm headed over to Little Roadie to jump out of a plane at 10,000 feet with some friends who've never been. And it makes me think of this quote from Mark Twain, it's one of my favorites, and I can't think of a day better than the one I'm currently enjoying that emulates this. But it's, now and then we had a hope that if we lived and were good, God would permit us to be pirates. And I fucking love Mark Twain, and I love that quote, and I can't think of anything better than this getting out and experiencing it that makes us pirates in this day and age. Just enjoying our freedom. And I hope everybody around here is doing that. Hope you are. Really enjoy your podcast, man. I appreciate everything you do. Gives me hope for the world. Hope your day is awesome. Yes, Kayleen. I love that you are going skydiving. Thank you for sending that voice memo in. If anyone else wants to send a voice memo, they can email it to info at kyle.surf. Just try and keep it under a minute. Let me know who you are, where you're listening from. Here's the thing about living dangerously, Kayleen. If it were easy, everyone would do it. We all we all say we want to be pirates, but do we really? Do we really? Because that shit's lonely. Frightening. You don't know if you're going to fall on your face and become so broken that you can never get back up again. But if you don't take that chance, you will live your life with shame and regret of what could have been. And it's a choice that we must all make to go with the flow or to swim towards a goal, as the great Hunter S. Thompson once wrote in a story about the meaning of life. I have not had many East Coast surfers on this podcast. I did do one with Damien Hobgood uh, a while back, who's a Floridian. But I'm out in Montana right now. And I just did an interview with a surfer that is further east than the West Coast. I fell into a group of rad Missoula river surfers. These guys are badass and they chase standing waves around Montana. And lucky me, I got to uh, make friends with them. And it's just made my trip so much better. Uh, Actually, I'm recording this right after a mountain bike ride with a new friend of mine named Paige, who uh, is part of the Missoula river surfing crew. I had no idea that people even surfed in Montana before I got to the state, and it turns out that there is a true subculture of uh, surfers. It's, uh, it's one of the best things, really, being a surfer and getting to go around the world and feeling like you have this kind of community you know, people who are like-minded and enjoy uh, the silly act of riding waves together. So thanks to the whole Missoula crew. Um, This interview is with Ian Stokes. He is a Montana river surfer and uh, shaper. So he shapes all the standing wave boards. And we dove deep into uh, this crew, this culture, and I had a blast. It is September now, and the 
monthly book club book is The Way of the Superior Man. Woo! I wish I would have read this book when I was 18 um, because it's a powerful one. Um, I think both for men and for women. It's written for men. Um, how did, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a how-to book, but it's for guys who want to make it past that um, just sort of empty, vapid state of, you know, endlessly chasing tail and never being satisfied. Um, and also recognize the power of sex and sexuality and want to hone that into a Jedi skill. So The Way of the Superior Man is the uh, book of the month this year for my book club. You can head over to my website, kyle.surf slash book club, and every month I will send you a book that I love along with some potent Santa Cruz Medicinals CBD tincture. I sometimes have trouble sleeping, and the CBD tincture really helps me. I take a few drops before I go to bed, and I just sleep more deeply, especially if I've had a big workout. Like today, went mountain biking. I'm going to be sore tomorrow. Um, so I took a little CBD, and uh, I think I'll sleep better. Also, sleeping in an RV is – its I'm, I'm recording this out of my new RV. Uh, her given name is Starflight. I'm open to new names. Um, there's a big Starflight across the side of her. But uh, I think we can do better, guys. So I'm, all, I'm open to hearing names. I'm open to it. Anyway, you know, I'm sleeping on the side of the road a lot of times, and there's cars driving by. So it's, I, I wake up in the night. I need to figure this out. Um, so the CBD does help me. And if you want to get just CBD on your own, you can head over to, to uh, scmedicinals.com and type in the code name KYLE10, get 10% off all their products, or sign up for my book club, and you'll get CBD every single month. Also, want to send a big shout-out to RPM Training. I've been doing morning workouts on this trip. Pretty much the routine is I wake up, drive to a park, take a poop, and do a, a morning workout with a dumbbell and a jump rope from RPM Training Company. They make sick jump ropes, and I do a 20-minute workout, and here it is for you. All right? Challenge. You set an interval timer to beep every two minutes. Okay? You're going to do 10 burpees. You're going to do 15 kettlebell swings with a dumbbell. Uh, if you don't have a dumbbell, you can sub that out for another one. And then you jump rope until the end of the two minutes. So you'll probably get like 60 or 70 jump ropes in. You're going to do that 10 times. So it's a 20-minute workout. It's pretty easy. But uh, it's a good one. It's a very good one. And for extra points, nose breathe because we are now learning about the innumerable benefits of nose breathing. You can actually get more oxygen into your lungs by breathing more slowly through your nose. I dare you. And if you want to get one of those jump ropes, you can head over to rpmtraining.com. You can get 10% off all of their workout equipment. Um, and the jump ropes, just anything you want. Uh, type in the code name KYLE10, get 10% off. Let's get fit and let's sleep well. And finally, let's do good work in the world. This episode is made possible by the Nell Newman Foundation. The Nell Newman Foundation supports bold, iconoclastic projects all over the world. And they support a group that I'm going to highlight right now called Cook Inlet Keeper. 
Cook Inlet Keeper is a community-based nonprofit organization that combines advocacy, education, and science towards its mission to protect Alaska's Cook Inlet watershed and life and the life it sustains. Inlet's uh, Inlet Keeper's monitoring and science work builds credibility with scientists and resource managers. Its education and advocacy efforts enhance stewardship and citizen participation, and together these efforts translate into Inlet Keeper's ability to effectively ensure a vibrant and healthy Cook Inlet watershed. Here's the thing about volunteering, guys: you don't need to just you know go out and do the thing on the day right sometimes that's great if everyone gets together but if you are a web designer if you code if you are an artist if you are an organizer these nonprofits usually could use your help okay they need people with specific skills all right so if you want to help save salmon you can click the link below go to inlet keeper or go to inletkeeper.org and volunteer some of your time and if you do let me know uh would love to blow it up in the podcast and uh thank you so much to the nell newman foundation for supporting this show that's it for now i'm going to go to bed then uh probably do some more river surfing in the days to come but in the meantime, please welcome to the show, Ian Stokes. So you grew up in Montana, out on this little house on a pasture, dead end road, how did you find surfing? So that was all because of my mom. Because she was a surfer. Yeah. She grew up surfing the Jersey Shore and then moved west at a young age out to the Oregon coast. And so she's really what instilled that in me. And at a young age, we would, I mean, ever since I was born, we were making trips for her to surf. Usually someplace warm. Yeah. Down to Baja. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and at the time, were people surfing the rivers in Montana? Not that I know of. Not back then. That came uh, quite a quite a ways later, maybe like the turn of the millennium. I mean, I don't know the exact date of when guys were doing it. Definitely wasn't when I was yet. Right. And I sure wish I would have known about it when I was young because that was my only exposure to surfing was when we would get to travel every year. Right. So you'd get way better for the week or two that you were on the trip and then you'd forget all of it until you go on the next trip. Exactly. The way yeah. that it goes. Just yeah. always living for those vacations. And so I kind of grew up, luckily, surfing in Costa Rica. I made our first trip there when I was seven. And Where in Costa Rica? Uh, Northern, yeah, uh, Guanacaste Peninsula or Nicoya Peninsula. I love Guanacaste. Costa Rica. It's an amazing country. It's gorgeous. They uh, put all of their military funding into conservation. <laughs> like, yeah, we're just, we're going to keep the rainforests beautiful. The healthcare is great. I broke my arm down there, and the hospitals were awesome. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Costa Rica. They yeah. legalized ayahuasca. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. And there's good waves. There's great waves. Yeah, Atlantic and Pacific. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a really wonderful country and seen a lot of growth since back then when I was a kid. Yeah. Twenty something years later, it's like a different place touristically, but still just as wonderful, nice people, great weather. So that was your first exposure to surfing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first time was uh 
just on my my little bodyboard with the the twin twin fins out the back and standing up on that. And do you remember the first time that you river surfed? Yeah, so that was quite a long ways later. Like I had no idea river surfing was a thing all through my childhood until after I I graduated and then ended up moving to Missoula a couple hours away from my hometown for to go to school at the University of Montana. And then a couple years into being at school there, I just like discovered stand-up paddleboarding just like, online like wow that seems like kind of cool like, yeah. something, maybe I'd like to go down the river on a board and like looked into it a little bit and discovered they're way too expensive it's like oh shit well all right check craigslist I mean, there's not really a used market yet this was back in like 2010 uh, but ended up finding out in portland uh an 80s sailboard nice. <laughs> it was like 10 foot just a lot of flotation not super stable but it had like the the pull down keel in the middle and had to pull off all the foot straps and it was my first paddleboard radical but uh I needed to find a stand-up paddle still. And when I brought the board back to Missoula, I discovered a local kayak shop that was selling some stand-up equipment. Decided to go check them out. And as soon as I walked in the shop, I noticed they had just a couple surfboards sitting in the corner. It's like, well, that's intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what are you guys doing it's with those? Far away from the ocean. <laughs> yeah, What's exactly. going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and proceeded to look around a little bit and saw like a couple photos they had of themselves surfing rapids and like immediately my mind was blown and was just like full of questions uh and yeah they told me about this wave that was 30 miles or so outside of missoula the same one that i, I met you at yep and i was trying to coordinate with them like yeah yeah come on let's let's go out there let's check it out like you said it's in now let's go let's go and i couldn't make it work with them for my first time going out uh so i just like I can't wait on them. I gotta, I gotta go check this out on my own. And I ended up grabbing like an old seven something single fin that my mom had, like three and a half inches nice. thick, pintail, like <laughs> just whatever I could get my hands on at the time. And because they told me I needed something with a lot of float, I'm like all right, this this should cut it, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and just went out there to take a look. And lucky for me, there were was another truck out there with two guys surfing and. I was just blown away. Like what? There's more people doing this than just the guys at the surf shop. Uh, and so I went down there and they kind of just showed me the ropes and showed me where to get in and just how the river water moves. Cause I like the river scene was never really quite my thing growing up. Like spent time floating, but never like kayaking or canoeing or just always felt like either swimming or surfing. And, uh, yeah, first session wasn't too successful. Like maybe caught the wave on my belly a couple times. And every time I tried to pop up would just drift down. So for people who might not be able to picture this, what does that river wave look like? So it's kind of, it just looks like a rapid really. So at the start of where rapids form and you call that the wave train, and it's just these lumps where there's a, a, a constriction, a constriction in the, in the river and water starts moving faster. And it's really the, the first wave in the wave train that is perhaps going to be more green than the rest of them. And that's was the case with this particular wave train where there's a surfable rapid. And so it just kind of is shaped like a V the way the hydraulics are working coming down river. And 
you're just trying to kind of jump in from the side of the river and ferrying across a couple seams of whitewater into this rapid and hoping it holds you there. And once it does, you're able to pop up and, and kind of make some wiggles. So did, were you able to uh, have a successful ride when you went down there on that single fin? Eventually, yes. I can't recall if it was that first session or not, but within the first couple sessions, yeah, like stood up, moving around, and was hooked. A few things that have been surprising to me about river surfing, uh, because this trip is the first time I've ever river surfed. I did it once down in Salida, Colorado, where they have a man-made wave right in town there. And then the second session was here just in Missoula. I didn't know how worked you would feel when you fall on such a small wave. Because despite the wave being like, you know, a foot, the water's moving really fast. So when you wipe out, it's like super soaker up the nose, scorpion backflip, and then all of a sudden you're pushed out into the rapids. And uh, that was very surprising to me. The second was how easy it is to catch an edge on a river wave. Because the water's moving so fast beneath you, like you, you got to stay kind of on your toes. It felt a bit like more like a snowboarding dynamic than I would have expected. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the hydrodynamics are completely different than an ocean wave. That's yeah, something you absolutely have to adapt for. And yeah, no matter if you catch the wave or not, you're still going for a swim. There's, there's no getting around <laughs> yeah, that. Totally. There's no <laughs> successful ride. No, That's never. I never. You never about kick that. out, and you're just like, all right. Easy paddle back out. Yeah. It's not a thing. <laughs> what was so rad for me was seeing that there's a surf culture in Missoula. I did not know that. And there's a whole crew of kids who most of them also hunt and they're psyched on surfing. And some of them are really damn good. Mm -hmm. um, like that kid Cam and Tanner were shredding. Like they knew exactly how to navigate the wave and at what points they could push to do, you know, little, little maneuvers on it. Um, that was impressive. And I was, uh, it was a humbling experience for me. Yeah. There's, there's little sub subtleties in the way the water's moving and you're always kind of having to look to, I mean, just like an ocean wave going down the line, sections are coming down in front of you and you're, you're always trying to think ahead to your next move. And here it's a, at a little more rapid pace that you're having to think and kind of look around and navigate because it's a tight little pocket and just a very tight little area that you get to work. And yeah, those guys are, they're great at it. And they, and now Cam has a ton of ocean experience. He lives down where you do in Santa Cruz. Well, that was really funny. But, but at the, the time he, he was an, a, a river kid. Strictly I, a river kid. I mean, this is worth, worth saying like there's a kid who I had met in Santa Cruz and I didn't know that he was from Montana and he was a good surfer. And it turned out that he was from Missoula, learned how to surf on the fucking river, and then was able to transfer that into surfing in Santa Cruz. Yeah. Trippy. Yeah. It was almost like, what's that movie? The North Shore? Yeah. He's like Rick yeah. Kane. Yeah. Yeah. He's 100%. The Rick Kane of Missoula. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And you're Chandler. When did you start shaping boards? So that came a, a little bit later. It's like the first time I got on the river wave was 2010, I think. And yeah, at that time there was no surf culture here. Like it was just transitioning. My friends had the kayak shop in town and they were just transitioning to riding stand up paddle boards and like doing down river runs on paddle boards, surfing river waves along the way. 
And so like, we were kind of into that for a little bit. Uh, and which just inevitably progressed and trying to ride something a little smaller, but still on the paddle boards. And the next season we got on these like little, like seven foot surf paddle boards. And we're just like, all right, this is, this is the ticket. This is like, we're going to be able to shred now. (laughs) And famous last words. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so we took those boards over to one of our favorite waves on the Locksaw river. Um, called Pipeline Rapid. And it's, it got the name long before anybody was surfing it, but it was called Pipeline because there's a rock in the center of the rapid underwater that as the water flows, it creates this lip that comes up routinely and then crashes down pretty hard, sometimes shooting some air out the sides. And I, it must have resembled Pipeline to somebody, and so that's <laughs> yeah. how it got its name. <laughs> Clearly they hadn't surfed Pipeline. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's like way different. <laughs> I always I, felt kind of strange, like calling it that when right. we went and surfed. Just like oh. we have a wave in uh, in Santa Cruz called Wind and Sea, and I vividly remember once um, going. <laughs> I was a kid and going to this older guy and be like, "Oh my god, Wind and Sea's going off right now! It looks like Pipeline." He looked at me and goes, "Clearly, you've never surfed Pipeline." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> so that wave, can people get barreled on it? Not really. I mean, sometimes the lip will come up and crash over and you might get it like kind of just smacking down on your back, but it feels like you're getting a little covered. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like running your hand along the face as you're shooting under it to the other side. And, but we weren't doing any of that on the paddle boards. So we just had one session, I think it was around like 2011. We're out there just getting suited up, ready to go. And this guy comes up from the other way from Southern Idaho Pulls up in a little pickup truck, hops out, and starts asking us all these questions about the wave. And he's like, oh, I'm going to try to surf it on my, my little shortboard. And he just had, like, a little 5'8", wing swallow, super thin little chip. We're all, like, looking at each other like, yeah, all right, dude. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, we've seen you, your type out here before. Like, <laughs> they just get flushed off immediately. He jumped out there and just immediately caught it, popped up. And just began to rip the shit out of this rapid. All our jaws dropped. Like it was unlike anything we'd ever seen before. This guy was uh, Chris Peterson. He, uh, we later found out he grew up on North Shore of Oahu and had like some claims to fame, placing and some pipe contests, and so he knew what real pipeline was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. Immediately after that, drove back to Missoula, instantly got in my car, drove to my parents' place, got my shortboard, and yeah, never, never looked back at the stand-up paddle boards again and proceeded to just kind of try to figure out with my friends what the the best board for the, the rapids that we were riding would be. Um, and that just kind of evolved over the course of the next few years, like the, the Actually, this board that I had, it was a, a six eight squash tail, like kind of fun board, big rounded nose. And we actually hit a deer coming back from Loxaw one time, just big buck, flew right up over the Subaru, Whoa. smashed into the boards, and like my tail was destroyed. <laughs> and so, well. It's a very Montana surfer story. Yeah, right? That's <laughs> uniquely Montana surfer. <laughs> so you threw it in the back of the pickup truck and- uh, Yeah, I don't- Fed our families for the next month. Yeah, (laughs) of course. 
What else do you do? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, that, so when did you actually shape your first board? So that came uh, a couple of years later. Uh, so the guys at the surf shop, which at this point they, they were transitioning from a kayak shop to a, like a full-time surf shop. It's all they wanted to do too once we got on the shortboards. And, and it happened to be that below the shop there was a, a basement space that was empty. And so my buddy ended up setting it up as a shaping bay. We had a glassing room, sanding room. It was like, all right, we're going to develop what we think is the best board for this area. And like we really had no experience shaping or anything, just learned from some online tutorials. And I uh, had a, like a longtime family friend who's been shaping since the eighties in Oregon. That was kind of like my mentor. And at the time I had only like watched him shape boards and was just like idolized that and what he was doing and uh, made some templates with him that I brought back to Montana. And we kind of like messed with those outlines, messed with outlines of other boards. And yeah. And so that my first one I shaped was around like, I think 2013. It was just like a really boxy, Five eight. They, they're all, the first shapes are always always boxy. super boxy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That thing, that thing was something else. It served. I mean, it it worked. As as do a lot of shapes. If you put enough foam in them, they'll go. They're gonna go. Yeah, yeah. So the ones, the one that I was riding of yours. And what's what's your surfboard company called? I don't have a, a company. Like I only recently started like shaping for people other than myself. But I just uh, Stokes Shapes. Well, I just had Shapes by Stokes. Shapes by Stokes. Yeah. It's a great last name for mind. a surfer. Yeah. I didn't even know that for the longest you're time. Born, <laughs> that's, that's how rad you're so howly, you don't even know you're howly. <laughs> right. Yeah, so the one that I was using um, w- worked great, and it was a, had a real wide tail, and it was um, a thruster, but the center fin, you just used a little trailer fin. Because that seems like it's it's real important to have it be as loose as possible, mm-hmm. really, because you're doing these real quick turns, and if you want to be able to do any kind of maneuver, you need a lot of slide in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you need that pivot point to be more forward. Like, you can't exactly have a twin with that wide tail, like a Simmons, way at the back of the board because of these tight pockets that you're working in. Like right. You can't, it's really tough to draw anything out. Yeah. And so having that pivot point forward, a little stabilizer in the back... Have you ever gone finless surfing? It seems uh, like that would be really fun if you had a big foamy board because you could just do little 360s on it. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of the like the younger kids that are into it now get out there finless and they're just slip sliding all around and yeah. look like they're having a good time. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just set in my ways, but I haven't really attempted it too much. And then did you start shaping boards for friends shortly after that? It took a long time. I've only recently started shaping some boards for friends and... Uh, for the longest time, it was just for myself because uh, my friend was pretty much the shaper in town, and he was just letting me use his space to and kind of bounce ideas off each other and just shape my own boards. It's something I always wanted to do and like felt a good connection with a craft that I, I built myself. And, uh, so, yeah, for the longest time, it was just, just for myself and kind of trying to evolve r- some river designs. And... Uh, yeah, I took a break from it for a number of years, just busy with work and life and whatnot. And only recently, uh, at like the turn of the, the new year, 2020, uh, converted a friend's shed on the Oregon coast into a shaping bay for myself and 
just yeah it's if i'm not surfing and it's all i want to do is one thing that's re- on really cool to me about the Missoula surf crew is that it's so new, you don't really know what you can't do yet. Absolutely. Right? It's I, I'm thinking about that documentary, uh, Dogtown and Z-Boys, where you had all these old Venice surfers. You know, they were kids looking at surfers, trying to emulate those styles, and then they would go to the store and get some roller skate skates and put them on the bot on the bottom of uh plywood and and uh plane it out and then they would actually try to skate like surfers and those guys are are credited with really that big revolution in transition skateboarding and i, I there are certain parallels between that and what you're doing because you're just looking at youtube videos like best that you can emulate like okay here's what guys in the ocean are doing but the, our dynamics here, the fluid dynamics and what we can and can't do are totally different. So it's it's just cool how new the whole scene is. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, like we I mean, knew right away that the little like rocker chips weren't working for us. Like we don't have a steep enough face. Like you need more foam, low rocker, fat tail for the flat surface. Uh, and yeah, and for myself, like I always dreamt of and was envious of like as i'm sure most surfers are like the golden age of surfing in the 50s right just like it's just you and your friends out you're discovering new places and then also kind of like the shortboard revolution of the 60s where just like you're evolving the craft pretty rapidly and to me like i just felt like we had kind of this microcosm of that here in my own home state landlocked and so I was just I thought it was really cool. So what are the you know you you one other thing that's funny about river surfing is there's a whole another um, like set of terms that you use like when the 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 wave is in that's a term that you use right that, yeah that's pretty so much the, when the river is in so what does yeah. that mean that means that the river is at the correct cubic feet per second that's flowing down measured cubic feet per, per second CFS. And because, I mean, it's all based around the, the bottom contours of the river and the rocks that are there and the ledges. And you need the correct amount of water flowing down in order to, to turn a cer- certain rapid on and to be the correct shape to be able to, to surf it. And, and what, that, go for it. Oh, it's just, that's pretty much all you need for, for river surfing. Like when you know it's in, it's in. Like, right. No time of day, no tide. No wind direction, <laughs> no particular swell. Just it's in. All right. What uh, is a measurement of cubic feet per second that you might say? Like, what's the range of cubic feet per of um, CFS so, that would happen in in Montana on a standard river? Like, so what might that conversation sound like? Our our CFS is a little higher here than say down in Colorado. Like they're riding some lower volume rivers. Ours are uh, tip. Well, it varies substantially throughout the year versus spring runoff. Like most of our waves are in during spring runoff when the rivers swell dramatically. So say the place that I was out with you, that's running at four thousand cubic feet per second right now, and it maybe drops down to at its lowest. 2,500 or something. But during the spring, that can swell up to over 60,000. 
cubic feet per second. Wow. Which, so it's a totally different river in the springtime. Oh, yeah. Way different ball game. And can you surf it? Not at that level. So uh, still during the spring, a lot of times it'll flow at around 20,000. And then we have a couple waves right in that same area that are good right then. Yeah. And then there's a that, that Locksaw River I mentioned earlier. That uh, is a really low-flowing river. It's almost like a little creek during most of the year. Like I venture to say it's maybe like 900 right now versus in the springtime, prime flows for us are like 8,000 to 12,000 CFS. Is there a surf line or storm surf of rivers? Something uh, you can check to see the CFS? Somebody may have developed an app for that. Uh, but all I check is just this this website called River Data, or you can just check the exact gauges and hydrological forecast from NOAA, and, which is pretty cool that you can actually get a forecast. They can predict how much water is going to be running down at a certain point, which is really handy in the springtime. Like they check the weather forecast; it's going to be hot and sunny. Wow! Maybe the rivers are going to rise. That's so amazing. So rather than a storm offshore that is predicting wave height, it's temperature up the mountain that's going to predict uh snow melt exactly and a lot of it isn't even daytime temperature it's overnight temperatures like if you're getting I mean, 70 degrees in the day but it's still dropping below freezing at night it's not going to create a whole lot of movement but if you have warm nights yeah 45 or more that's coming up yeah or more rain it's coming up okay and how, are you guys surfing all year long fortunately yes here in montana which we're we're just lucky that we have high enough volume rivers that it's possible. So I was on the phone with Greg Long uh, the other day, the big wave surfer, and I said, so these guys will apparently surf in the wintertime with five fours, hoods, gloves, booties, and the water will immediately freeze on the rocks. And sometimes there's ice coming down the river, and there was a pause on the phone, and he said, that's too much. I don't fuck with ice. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about those sessions. Yeah, it's it's really cold. Um, and yeah, that just shows how like diehard people are here for it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's so you got to get your fix somehow. And in the winter time, it's kind of like a balance. Like you're hopefully having some good powder days as well to kind of get your fix. And if not, well, like hopefully the ice isn't flowing down the river. Cause... Yeah, you guys have a mountain right in Missoula, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, snowball. Cool. And then there's another number of other little mom and pop resorts in the area that get a lot of good snow. And uh, some friends and I also kind of like partway into starting to river surf, we got a hold of some powder surfers, which going into the backcountry snowshoeing and taking lines just on bindingless boards. Cool. And that uh, so much fun. I bet. Really Is it just free. a regular surfboard that you cut the, uh, you take the fins off or nope. so it's more like uh uh pressed wood of a skateboard just oh. with some surf traction on top parasorel boots and like a coiled leash what's a parasorel boot uh, or uh, a pair of sorel oh, boots. a pair of sorel boots mm -hmm. and what are sorel boots just a winter like the classic winter boot right so not like a snowboard boot because that's a little too stiff like you're surfing you want to be able to have some flex in your ankles and yeah the sorels just seem to be have a bit more flex can so you're kind of surfing these crafts down the mountain yeah really riding any line that i would on my snowboard really except you can even you can do that even without the straps yep wow yeah uh only on powder though like you really need five inches of fresh or more 
or else it does not work. And how it's sc- not like a hard metal edge. Yeah. And how screwed are you when you fall? Not as bad as if you fall strapped in to a snowboard. Like if you're in deep powder and you fall on a snowboard, it can be kind of tough to get back up again. Yeah. Whereas this, you're just separate from it. You just kind of. Does it keep going ever? Is there ever like, no. You do have some wrecks where, especially if you go down below it and the board's up above you, (laughs) tomahawking, hawking back at you. It's like, look out. Wow. That's radical, man. It's so cool that there's a board sport. Like such a uh, big board sport community in in Missoula. It was funny. Um, I was talking to uh, one of the surfers uh, in town, Paige, who uh, he grew up in Missoula. He's super into surfing. Uh, I was talking to him last night, and he's like, "You know, it's because uh, I'm getting into hunting. I've been in it for like four years, and I think it's the coolest thing ever. Like, if you're an expert hunter, I'm like, holy shit, dude! Like, that's insane, right?" And what he was telling me, he's like, dude, in in Missoula, like in Montana, everyone hunts. Everybody hunts. Everybody hunts. Everybody fishes. Everybody fishes. You can't just be like, yeah, I hunt. People are like, yeah, it's like being like, like in LA, like I'm a DJ. I'm like, yeah, dude, everyone's a DJ. And I was saying it's the same like that in Santa Cruz for surfing. Mm-hmm. You know, like people are like, oh, like surfing big waves, that's so gnarly. I'm like, dude, it's like everyone kind of does it around town because that's you just. Do what you grew up around, mm-hmm. right? But you want to do something that not everyone's doing. So for for Montana, that's surfing. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, girls seem to like that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> they love the wetsuit tan. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's call and it just spade seeing a spade. you running around in a wetsuit totally, in downtown yeah. Missoula. Hunting so, yeah, gets you this? laid in Santa Cruz. <laughs> surfing gets you laid in Missoula. <laughs> Reverse parallels. Yeah. This is this is what's determining the herd mentality. <laughs> what's going to get a slate? What's going to get a slate? Tractor beam. You, you can't escape it. Huh? Yeah. Um, and did you grow up hunting? A little bit. Uh, I was never into bow hunting growing up, but would go out rifle from an early age. I think it was like 12 and you can first start hunting with a rifle. And of course, learned everything from my dad. And he was always pretty into it every year. I mean, not for trophy or anything. We only ever did it just for for food. Yeah, for the venison. And yeah, just taking down some deer and never an elk. And yeah, that was kind of about it. Just from nearby the property, but it's, Are you- uh, yeah, it's a, a a special experience if you treat it right. Oh hell yeah, big time. Yeah, and you can get meat for a year. Absolutely, which is great. Yeah, like we would raise cows, but never eat beef. Wow. Just like, why would we eat beef? We can sell beef. Yeah. We eat venison. Wow. Uh, are you using any apps like OnX to find new rivers or spots that you think could be good? I mean, there's a lot, guaranteed there are a lot of undiscovered river waves in Montana. I actually just heard about OnX today. Oh, really? Yeah. It's cool. It's a, it's a good hunting app to find, um, find areas you know specifically for hunting as well as it will map out property lines to make sure that you're not on someone else's property That's what but you could use it in a kind of google earth way uh probably to find new rivers to surf i might have to check that out you should but yeah there are still new discoveries happening like only uh last year a friend of mine out east of the divide discovered a wave that is just I mean, really phenomenal as far as river wave goes, like best we've ever seen. And, uh, yeah, it's 
I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I mean, we, well, I don't need to give away any specifics, but I think a lot of people know that Jamie O'Brien was here like a month ago surfing a river wave that looked fucking legit. Like he was doing – he was surfing it, doing like roundhouse cutbacks and mm-hmm. hitting a lip. And um, But it seems like those kinds of waves will aren't as consistent. Like mm-hmm. they'll come in maybe just for a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean they'll, like that, that's just a springtime wave. Right. It is. And uh, yeah, I guess with Jamie O going out there and, and uh, Ben Gravy, cats kind of out of the bag. Big time. Yeah. Those guys definitely get, they, they let cats out of bags for a living. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. That's what YouTube um, is. Yeah, it's, for... a, it's a big cat out of bag platform. <laughs> that's all YouTube is. Pretty much. And cats. Um, just um... videos of cats and then videos letting cats out of bags. That's it. Both make money. Yes. That's Both it. are turning a profit. Um, so then you, um, you're in Montana for a while and then you moved out to Oregon Were you surfing a bunch out there. Yeah. And so I, I moved out to the area I kind of grew up going to as well. Like went out there, did some little longboard contests when I was a kid and just like annually a couple trips a year and yeah, surfing every chance I get out there now and, uh, working, I work on a, uh, a fishing boat out of Newport, Oregon. And yeah, it's a, a wonderful place to be. Yeah. Love How often will you guys, will you be out when you're fishing? Usually around three to five days. Kind of just depends on what we're fishing for and the amount of time we're allowed to be out for the type of fishing that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool lifestyle that you've lived. It seems like it's very kind of uh, experience oriented and oriented towards being in the outdoors and doing something with your hands. Absolutely. And that's what, uh, I maybe kind of took for granted growing up in Montana. Like, I mean, I did get the opportunity to travel a lot with my parents and, and gain experience that way that a lot of other kids weren't so fortunate in my community. And I'm forever grateful for that, but still growing up, I mean, you're just a kid. You're, you're into hanging with your friends and playing sports and like, that was more so like the prime focus growing up. And now I can look back and see like, man, I really should have been like getting after it a little more and like playing down in the Creek, going <laughs> fishing after school every single day. Yeah. Uh, and I really feel like after I went to, to school here, I started to notice that the kids that would come in from out of state to go to school were really the ones taking advantage of all the recreational opportunities Montana has to right. offer more so than the locals. So interesting. Yeah. It's like that old adage about the two young fish swimming and an older fish swims by and says, Hey boys, how's the water? And the one fish looks at the other and what's says, water? what's water, right? If you grow up in it, you don't really know what it is or what you might lose when you move away from it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so now moving back, would you say that you take advantage of those amenities more? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like any chance I get, I'm, I'm out on the river. Or I wake up in the morning. I'm down taking a dip in the creek just to wake up. I trying to – I mean I'm still drawn to water for the most part. I, friends want to go mountain biking, but there's something I can surf. I'm probably going to bail on mountain biking, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever um, – so you were stand-up paddleboarding down um, – down the river did you ever get into kayaking i never got into kayaking it uh just never really drew me in 
wanting to be locked in a boat because I grew up as a swimmer and I just, yeah, it felt too constricting to me. Yeah, it's dangerous. It is. Super hardcore, yeah. dude. When yeah, I you was... flip upside down in some gnarly water and you have to use this paddle to figure out how to right yourself. Dude, and there's rocks down there. Yeah. And you're going head first fast towards these rocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kayakers are hardcore. They I are. never really considered it before coming out here. And then in Colorado, I was in a spot called Salida. Uh, and the week that I got in, the uh, the river was in. And it was um, like there was a couple days where it was class four. And um, I'm just learning all these classes. But apparently that's gnarly. And I saw some, some kayakers. We went down in a raft. And it was fun and sketch. And I saw some kayakers go through there. And there were some moves that they had to make where I could tell, like, if you don't get that move, you're going to get screwed and, like, pinned against a rock or, you know, thrown into some little beaver dam and held underwater and fucking die. Yeah. Talk about having to be in the present moment at all times. Yeah. Yeah. But stand-up paddleboarding down the rivers is is really fun. Yeah. When it's more mellow. Yeah. When it's more mellow, I, I really enjoy it. Calm water, no wind. It's just pretty meditative experience yeah and um <laughs> yeah dude those waterfalls are uh do you guys have big waterfalls in montana uh, there are there for are sure like i i haven't been off any of them but know some guys that that are pretty into kayaking and yeah it's it's crazy what they'll do yeah but apparently you're able to go off of something taller in a kayak going off a waterfall than say if you were jumping into the water People will go off like fifty foot waterfalls. Way higher. Way higher. Like what? Uh, uh, <laughs> Tyler brought a, a local guy out of Stevensville. Ha- has or had the world record? One hundred eighty six foot. No. Yeah. I didn't know this. I mean, I guess I did. Just thinking of like f- those crazy photos that you see on Nat Geo, but I've never really considered it. Like I've never considered being like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm strapped into this boat. I got a helmet, a nose clip, and this water is going to push me off of a 180-foot ledge. Seems like a good idea. So how do you come up from that? Which you just pop out the other side. I mean, he had to construct, because what kayaks have on them is called a spray skirt. Yeah. And that like, is a neoprene thing that like goes around your waist kind of tight and then latches onto the boat. And it's meant to like not allow water into your kayak. And he was realizing, like, well, this thing's just going to keep exploding on me going off of these tall waterfalls. I need to create one that's not going to release. And so he had one that he was, like, locked in on. So he, like, had to nail the drop. Otherwise, you're just going to drown in a kayak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he I mean, did the drop. And from the video I saw, came up after several seconds. And he was paddling half a paddle. Not his entire paddle anymore, but yeah, he, he survived. Montanians, you guys are you guys are a wild bunch. You know, it's funny what you said earlier about how about locals not necessarily taking advantage of the amenities always that it has to offer them, because it seems to me like even if you're not the guy going out on hikes every day and fly fishing and river surfing, there's a base level of difficult weather that you need to get through that it does create a 
culture of competence more than if you live in an area where it's sunny and 70 degrees every single day. Um, that's just something that I've noticed. Like it's not – like most people who I've met in the river surfing crew in Missoula would be known as like the competent outdoorsy guy in a city. But for them, that's just what they do. Like it's that base level of water that you grow up in when you have to make it through your winters. Exactly. Like that's I by no means mean that like the local Montanans are not competent because they're not taking advantage so much. But it's just it's just what you live, and so you, you yeah you learn to adapt. You learn different skills, and I mean, a lot of it is somewhat mild survival skills but yeah you have to like know how to get around in the winter time you have to know how to drive on snow and know what to do if a heater goes out and the pipes are gonna freeze and what do you do hopefully heat them up somehow <laughs> Just hot water down there yeah. yeah uh how cold does it get here in the luckily winters? my parents heated with wood so like we didn't really have to worry about too much about that it's like all right well, yeah start a fire how cold does it get here in the winter uh we get some days well below zero but uh east of the divide in montana gets substantially colder huh why is that i just different weather patterns out that way uh they get a lot of wind as well and it's just like the the plains out there what's the coldest day you've ever gone surfing not not anything too crazy because eventually ice starts to form on the river and flow down. You don't really want to be out there with that because it's beating up your board quite a bit. <laughs> you guys get so many dings. Yeah, <laughs> it's unavoidable. But uh, yeah, in, like in the twenties, and then the water is like just above freezing, and it's it's nothing like what you see the the Great Lakes guys doing. Like where they coming out of the water with just full ice beards and like that's pretty gnarly over. Over there. Do they – and they just do that on really windy days? There's that too. Yeah, they have to because it's the only thing That's there's no, generating there's no, swell. There's no swell off of the Pacific Northwest, freaking Kamchatka Peninsula that's making waves. Yeah, it's just, exactly. Just wind. Wind and enough fetch. That's so wild. Yeah. Yeah, the whole um, – you know, one thing that's just kind of becoming clear to me in this conversation is this this larger theme of resources and supply and demand and how you know the resource of the of it's 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 kind of paradoxical because in Montana the the waves you know you lack ocean waves but you make up for that in enthusiasm with surfing a river wave right but the river wave is there all day, so it doesn't really get so crowded in the same level that it does in the ocean that you get kind of jaded. You know, in, in, in the ocean, like, it's crowded at a lot of spots, and the best surfers are going to get all the waves, and it creates a vibe of scarcity that you don't have in Montana. So you have, like, the waves themselves are scarce. But the but the enthusiasm and the way that the waves come in when they do is this idea of abundance. So it creates this really friendly vibe when you're down there by the river. It does, and I mean it's really a cordial lineup because it has to be. Like if you jump in front of a guy in line waiting yeah. for the wave, like you're gonna hear about it yeah. from everybody standing there. Yeah, it's like it's a little bit like hunter gatherer communities and not growing too 
too large, like everybody's held accountable. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah, and you're standing in line with a guy, so it's less you can't just pa- you can't like splash him and paddle away. Yeah, <laughs> standing yeah, exactly. in the lunch line with them. <laughs> Plus exactly. everyone has guns. Yeah, so, everybody's yeah. got guns and, yeah. and it's still at the point where we really all know each other. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is interesting how behavior behavior changes as groups of humans grows. Mm-hmm. In pretty fundamental ways. Oh, absolutely. And not in uh not in very pleasant ways either. Yeah, I think it was. I, I might be mis misquoting it, but I think it was Bill Hicks had a bit about cats. I might. I'm sorry. It might, it might have been Doug Stanhope about how like if you see one cat, you're like, "Hey, little kitty," and then you walk into a house full of hundreds of cats, and you're like, "I'm gonna kill them all." <laughs> Love it. Yeah, oh, totally agree. Yeah, and the river scene is is still like yeah, just a few cats hanging out like. Like, as you said, there's not just a certain couple hours in the morning where it's going to be good each day. Like, if it's in, it's going to be in. in. Yeah, and you can pick and choose. Like, if you if you don't want to fight the crowd, don't go at 5 p.m. after work. Yeah. Go in the morning. Go at noon. Whatever. Like, you can, you can work your way around it. I think that there are a lot of places that people could go surfing in the ocean or otherwise where they can avoid the crowds. Um but I, I also think that we have kind of herd mentality where even the ones like when we're complaining about the crowd, we're going to the crowded place, right? That's if true. you don't like crowds, go find the other place where there's not. And, and you know, where I grew up in Santa Cruz, there's, there's Pleasure Point, which is a very crowded wave. And then there are a few waves right around there that way less people go to, but it's like a 10-minute walk to get to them. But just that extra little bit, like that 10% more effort deters 90% of the crowd. That's true. So uh, my last time surfing Pleasure Point, actually, talking about the crowd there, I had it on a head-high day. Well, I guess not day. I showed up at 11 p.m. at night on a full moon and yeah, head-high, took out the mini longboard and there were just a couple other people out with glow sticks on. Just had it to just the three of us for like three hours. And was it a full moon? Yeah, fucking incredible love full experience. Moon surfing. Oh, incredible. it's so fun. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, just, I had to go in eventually after a few hours. Just couldn't do it anymore. I wish I stayed out. Yeah. Planned on like, all right, I'll be up at like first light. It's really good. Like, gonna make sure I hit it before I leave. Woke yeah. up before first light. Like, look out there, and before the sun had rose, there's, like, 80 people in the water. Just like, uh, I'm out. Yeah. Nah, do it a little bit differently, and you can avoid the crowds completely. I've had that same experience on uh, night surfing. It's very kind of dreamlike time. Like, And I've had a lot of dreams where I'm in the ocean or floating, and to be surfing when it's dark out and there's just the you know reflection of the pale moon coming down on the wave is pretty darn trippy especially because the reflection of the moon will kind of shine off of the wave right in front of you as you're surfing it mm-hmm. dig that yeah it's really trippy you're just kind of just cruising for the most part cuz it's a little different difficult to line up exactly where you are 
yeah. at least for my case anyway. Yeah. You want to, f- you know, I, my friends and I have actually taken generators and lights down to a wave that uh, breaks pretty close to shore and it's a really good barrel. We fired the generator up and uh, put floodlights on the wave one night. And it's one of the most memorable surf sessions I've ever had. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. So you can, you guys should do a night river surf session sometimes. Oh, you have? Yeah. Yeah. We've done that uh, out on the Locksaw here a couple times. And I mean, we do it, have done it just for the fun of it. Yeah. No, that's the whole thing. And like try to get some cool photos, with, like the lights reflecting off the spray. And, Dude, that's sick. Yeah. Oh, that's radical. Do you use floodlights and just put it straight out? Yep. Exactly. Ooh. And then a little bit downriver too, because you kind of want to see where you're getting out at. Yeah. But like, it's, surfing's a lot different than kayaking because we're all isolated just in this one stretch of river. So you feel like you pretty much know every nook and cranny of this one stretch. Whereas like on a kayak, I don't know if I'd ever want to do that at night. I mean, just because you're, you're experiencing so many different parts of the river and you don't always know what's up ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it's um it's heartening hearing the story of of Montana river surfing because it's it's um a very pure story. You know, everyone is getting into it because it's fun. And it's not to say that, you know, having industry or more resources in a sport is inherently bad. There's something great about people being able to make a living doing that sport, but it does corrupt it in some way. Uh, kids on the North shore of Oahu who grow up surfing, grow up surfing with the expectation that they are going to one day become John John Florence. Mm -hmm. And they're going to school with kids who are 12 years old, some of whom are getting paid six figures to surf. Talk about tweaking out the purity of uh, a childhood sport you get that kind of money and attention involved and it really changes the orientation. And I've seen it screw a lot of people up. People who get that kind of attention when they're that young for this one thing that they got good at and it makes it impossible for them to develop out of that identity. But in Montana, like you guys are all just doing it for fun. Yeah, like nobody's ever really that I see going to make a career out no, of this. Dude, not unless they get some serious YouTube hits. Yeah. Except for Cam. Except he was, for Cam. He was yeah. going pro. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, but there's, that's something that's, it's cool. You know, there's, it's an abundant resource and you're all doing it because just getting out amongst it and eating shit on a river is good fun. Yeah. It's just, it's just all for fun. It's uh it's that release that we, we like throughout our day and I've seen it transform a, a lot of guys lives in missoula really especially like uh more like the older middle-aged crowd even just like they have so much appreciation for being able to just get out and get away and just like be present like maybe possibly getting a little burnt out on life and it's just been a, a total 180 for them once they discovered river surfing really so how, how have you seen it they just get really psyched when they're down there yeah just really psyched and uh it's just something new that they're learning yeah and like i think that's i mean for most things you get into is that that introductory phase when you're just like so stoked on it and that's all you think about all you want to do that's the best phase yeah and uh yeah and that's how i've, I've seen it with river surfing for these these guys that's really cool I love that. Yeah, the introductory phase of of life is 
um, it's the most childlike, right? And and so many people lose childlike qualities as they get into the middle age responsibilities and life has knocked them down a few times and they they uh, can start to take it really seriously. And to do something that's just pure fun can um, can do a lot for, for guys. Um, I did a podcast with uh, a psychologist named Dacher Keltner a few weeks ago. And he does work with um, soldiers who are suffering from PTSD and science around awe and how the emotion of awe can help people with PTSD. So he took these um, soldiers who were in Iraq river rafting and documented with like saliva levels and like facial expressions and reports in the weeks after how this experience of just grom like stoke could help them with um with PTSD. That's incredible. Yeah. And just I mean finding that community again too. Just like finding it within your finding your tribe. Yeah. Is is really huge for folks and I think like what was that book uh sebastian sebastian younger tribe Tribe. yeah great book i mean this isn't like the same because we're not like in a serious amount of stress or anything and coming together but just like finding your people is is huge throughout life i agree yeah and if you start to get alienated by a group find a new group Mm -hmm. uh i yeah i think that it's really helpful for people to feel like they're a part of something i mean people ask you know like how can these like you know kids who grow up in uh, the ghetto and join gangs, like shoot someone to get into the gang. It's like, dude, look at what you do to be in your groups, you know? And it, and there can be healthy groups and unhealthy groups. And humans are capable of um, really creative, beautiful endeavors or genocide, right? But mm-hmm. many times we are just forming into groups. Um, and that's why public speaking is so hard. Because it's the feeling of being excluded from your group, which back in hunter-gatherer days meant that you were going to die and get your face eaten off by wolves. It's a scary thought. Yeah. Yeah, and as, the, and as I said before, like the, the Missoula River Surfing Crew, is, it's a new group that's forming right now. You know, there's a lot of places where like the group is already formed and it's really hard to get in there. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, again, there's just a lot of newness. Exactly. And this is still just, I mean, something that's, that's open to anybody. Like there's not like clicks within the river surfing scene whatsoever. And it's it's cool traveling around for it too. Like all around the Northwest there's, there's river waves and in Canada and like every spring I, I run into the same people, like these same Canadians or these same guys from Wyoming, just at these particular waves. At different re- waves. Yeah, oh, it's that's like the so only cool. time we see each other every year, but you, just, you still connect and that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's a good time. That is great. You told me that, uh, you said, Hey, if you're, if, uh, you don't have <laughs> questions, ask me about the tattoo of the albatross on my arm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have this big old bird on my arm, which, uh, just kind of, I mean, the tattoo itself isn't very intricate or, or anything like that, but I, uh, we were broke down fishing out of Southern California a number of years back. And I was hanging out with a cousin I had down there as a tattoo artist and just screwing around with him. Just, hey, well, give me an albatross on my arm. 
and he did. And yeah, it's, it's there now. Um, but the very next fishing trip we went out, we have just like some of our, our traps that we, we set sitting on the back deck. And always when we're fishing, we have albatross flying around us. And it's just an incredibly beautiful bird to watch fly and land in the water. And we were always throwing over old bait and they're getting into that. And so there's really no reason for them to ever come on the boat. But out of the blue, just one dive bombed out of nowhere into one of our traps, snapped its neck and died. And yeah, I kind of feel like that was some kind of omen, like, oh shit. Well, I guess that bird's on my <laughs> arm just, now. <laughs> just, just, I don't know if that's a good omen or a bad omen. Though. I don't think it was a good omen. I mean, all the other guys were just like, we're not touching that thing. That's all on you, Ian. Yeah. Why an albatross? I, I mean, really, no. There's uh, the I couldn't recite it, but there's I think the rhyme of the ancient mariner that I might be butchering those words, but it uh, it mentions the albatross, and uh, I just have always been fascinated by them when I'm out on the water because you're out on the ocean, you can't see land, and really the only thing to entertain you other than the other guys on the boat is looking out and watching the albatross fly around and. Yeah, it's an incredibly pretty sight. I mean, I wish I could fly like that. Yeah. Just graceful. You like fishing? Peaceful. I do. It's a uh, pretty rewarding work. You, you work hard for a short period of time, and, and then afterward, your, your time is your own. Uh, I also like that my mental space is basically my own with the job. Like, it's it's just a laborious job. I mean, it wears on your body. But you still, you just, you get to occupy your own headspace and think about what you want to think about. Like, I don't have to worry about deadlines and meetings and, yeah, what my boss is going to say if I file a report late or whatever. Like, Do you listen to podcasts out there? Not on the water so much unless I'm uh, on a wheel watch, which we'll go through if we're motoring a long distance. Just everybody else is sleeping and you're kind of just watching the, the wheel driving the boat. And that's kind of my podcast time out there something that keeps me awake and, and entertained. Nice. So you are out here in, in Montana now until further notice? Uh, going back to work in a couple weeks on the boat. Uh, just out for several weeks this summer just to kind of relive my childhood to some degree because my parents' farm is, is finally selling. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's kind of a bittersweet thing yeah. that's happening. But, yeah, trying to spend a lot of time out there with them and, Go to all the old swimming holes, float all the old spots on the river, hike around the property, go fishing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been great so far. And yeah, you, to- you, you grew up on the way, you grew up on that land and now you're coming back and seeing it again for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's, that's exactly how it feels. And yeah, the same wonder in my eyes as I had when I was a little kid. In Stokes. Uh, is there a way that people can get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, my Instagram is I Stoke. Pretty simple. Um, it's not like a business page or anything, but yeah, if anybody wants to find me on there, that's, that's where I'm at shaping some river boards and well, I, uh, I had a freaking blast going river surfing with you and I hope to do it again soon. Yeah. I was happy to get you out there. It was a lot of fun and yeah, maybe catch you somewhere. 
down the road out at your home break. I would love to. And thanks to the whole Missoula River crew for letting me have a wave. <laughs> thanks for having and, me, Kyle. And uh, a wave, albeit, that never ends. <laughs> That's our show. I'm going to play out the song called Drip by the Getaway Dogs. You guys know this band. I love this band. They listen to this podcast and they sent me some music. If you want to listen to more of it, just click the link below. And if you are a musician, I would love to get some of your tunes uh, because I can only play listener music. And it's fun to keep this whole thing community driven so you can email that stuff to info at kyle.surf that's also where we can send voice memos so where are you right now you're listening to my voice you're looking out at the world what do you see a tree a dog an elk a skyscraper record your phone bust out your phone record a few seconds of audio keep it under a minute and uh if you want potentially other listeners to reach out to you who live in your area include your instagram handle because one of the most frustrating parts about this whole podcast is that I know people who reach out to me, but you don't know each other. And there are people in your community, likely, who listen to this show, and you guys would probably be friends. Um, So if you want to include your Instagram handle, maybe someone else could um, reach out to you. You guys could uh, link up. As always, thank you to RPM Training for supporting this podcast. You can head over to rpmtraining.com, get yourself a jump rope or any other of their workout equipment. Type in the code name KYLE10, get 10% off. Or if you want to get some CBD, have some uh, less sore muscles, better sleep, head over to scmedicinals.com, type in the code name KYLE10, get 10% off. And finally, thank you to the Nell Newman Foundation and Cook Inlet Keeper. If you want to volunteer with Cook Inlet Keeper, help save some of Alaska's salmon, you can click the link below. That's it for now. Get out in the water, whatever body of water you are closest to. River, lake, or bathtub. See you soon.